0: Hey everyone, it's your good old pal, host Matthew here. Um, we had a bunch of audio trouble with this podcast that ended up being a mess. Uh, so we're using the Skype recording today. Uh, hopefully that's not too much of a problem. I think it sounds alright. Like obviously not up to snuff, but look, this is a free podcast and, uh, most of the problems are due to Jackson's, uh, computer being broken and him using substandard equipment. So please go check out Jackson's GoFundMe. He's been plugging it all along. Uh, give if you can, uh, signal boost if you can't. Uh, we need to get him a computer for the sake of this podcast and Jackson's sanity. Um, outside of that, please go to abnormalmapping.com for this episode because we did a dumb thing. Well, I did a dumb thing and made a good blog post about this, which, uh, you know, I, I know some of you don't go to the website, but uh, sometimes we put a bunch of work into those blog posts, and please check them out. Uh, this one will not translate to the iTunes show notes, unfortunately, so you'll have to actually go to the website and look at it. That's it. Enjoy the episode. See you guys in a couple weeks. Bye. Welcome to Abnormal Mapping, episode 33! It's our Jesus episode! We're gonna (laughs) continue hitting milestones as we go along, and I'm gonna track every single one of them. I thought Jesus was
1: 34. No, 33.
0: No, 33? We're two episodes away from being able to run for president. I'm here with regular co-host, Jackson Tyler. Yo, hi, hey, what up?
1: Blah!
0: Stop talking. And Uh, other regular co-host, Destiny Sturdivant.
2: Yes, other regular
0: co-host. And we're here to talk about the video games.
1: That bad, bad, usually.
0: Video games? Video, video ga- games? Video games. What's everyone been playing? <laughs> I know the answer to this. <laughs> answer to oh, this.
2: I started Deadly Premonition.
0: Yep. Yeah, Director's uh, cut. Did you actually get to the part where you're in town yet?
2: No, I'm still uh, doing the
1: whole, let's turn on these generators and kill all these weird shadows. I feel so bad for you as someone who hasn't like played Resident Evil 4 or has the context of like what one of those games is to play one of the worst designed shooting one of those ever as your first. It's a pain. It's like it must be baffling because their game's clearly a riff on concepts introduced in Resident Evil 4 and other shooters, but designed by like they don't care about how well the shooting is. That's not what you're there for. Luckily, it stops being a pain after the first little bit, but...
0: Well, yeah, about five hours in, you can get an infinite ammo machine gun, and then it's not a problem anymore.
1: Oh, good.
2: I mean, I'm not having the worst problem with it. Like, once I figured everything out, I was exasperated right when I
1: started, but... It's I'm confusing, because it, yeah. like, works on assumptions about what the audience knows.
0: Well, also, it's, it like, it won't tell you that you need to shower every day or else you become smelly and really? stuff. Really? Yep. And if you don't shave, you'll grow a beard. Like, the game is weird, but you're not at a lot of its weirdness yet.
2: (laughs) It leaves a lot of things out. It definitely
0: does. Yep. Uh, It is just meant for you to explore the systems within. Uh, It doesn't bother explaining half of them. Like, you can just not upgrade your car, but you can totally upgrade your car.
1: Oh, well, cool. I'm going to upgrade my car. I like upgrading
0: my car. Yep. Got to take that speed limiter off, because it sucks. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um... Jackson, tell me about
1: Metal Gear. Um I am trapped in an endless spiral of Metal Gear hell. You're right still now. in a
0: dream? I'm still in a dream. A snake Eater. Snake Eater.
1: <laughs> 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 yeah. I have have not quite finished Metal Gear Solid three, but I am coming up on it. It's gonna be after this podcast ends. I'm going upstairs, turning the console on and doing whatever I need to do. Mm-hmm. Metal Gear is strange. Metal Gear is ridiculous. I watched a man fight off a swarm of bees with revolvers used as batons. That happened
0: yeah, that's in that game
1: that happened yeah uh, that's one of the ridiculous things that I can say and not feel too bad about <laughs> yeahlengo because there's so much other nonsense yeah uh, i've despite the fact that everywhere. I've said I'm free of free of this need to write about it. Uh, I got the idea in my head and couldn't not do it, so there's going to be posts from Metal Gear 1, 2, and 3. Probably 4 at this rate. Probably just never going to stop.
0: I expect a post about that opening that I can't talk about. You know what it is, but Destiny doesn't. No, you don't. What? The uh, thing that we've talked about and very excited about. The, like, ridiculous thing. Oh! Oh, yeah. yes.
1: Sorry, I thought you <laughs> meant... um. Nope, that nope. I had seen. No.
0: No no no. I no, no, no. feel
1: like you guys are like cheating on me and you're using my code. <laughs> yeah, so I don't I'll, find uh, out. I'll get you the I'll get you the post about the thing, don't worry about it. Wink.
0: Good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for your post. I hope it is uh long.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> you guys, dirty right in front of I me. I want
0: I want a girthy blog post. <laughs>
3: oh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> Turgy
0: <laughs> turgid <laughs> prose <laughs>
1: Damn. Uh, no i gripe about eva a lot i'm not a fan of eva these are the things you can learn when i actually talk about middle gear 3 because i'm talking around it because i don't want to Spoil destiny's experience too much but i know you finished metal gear solid 2 so we'll probably all talk about that at the end
0: yes yes, yes. at the end of this podcast there will be talk about the ending of metal gear solid 2 i still feel weird like i know that like in gaming community like everyone knows what that game is kind of but i still like wouldn't talk about the ending just freely on like twitter or something no me neither because uh, it you gotta preserve the sanctity of what that game is, I feel like. Plus
1: I feel like it's a Final Fantasy situation seven situation as well, and that the, even the way that ending is talked about, the things that are talked about are not actually the things the ending is to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh we're not gonna talk about it anymore. I played yep. Saints Row the Third. Yep. Saints Row the third is uh is a, a fun game. It's weird, because, like, I... so What's the, I um, fun factor? What's the replayability? No, no, no. So, like, I don't think I like the game very much. No, no. But I would hang out with Shandi and Pierce all goddamn day.
1: Look, you just want to watch Oleg and Pierce play chess forever.
0: Yeah, and then me and Shandi be, like, secretly in love, but we can't talk about it.
1: No, you got to go pick up something from her ex's house.
0: Yeah. It's like, oh, um, Shondi's new girlfriend is coming to pick up stuff from the ex's house. That's going to be real awkward. <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, Shondi's uh, new girlfriend could beat up anybody on earth, so it's fine. It's true. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the part where that's like a game is like really fun, especially like the first like maybe like 3 hours is just amazing. But I feel like nothing afterwards lives up to that.
1: The initial sequence of that game is like a deliberate send up of typical open world progression tropes, yeah,
0: and it's like, great, but then it starts being just an open world game, and then it's less yeah
1: great. It doesn't have any because it it'll give you all the stuff you want immediately off the bat, but then it's still like, hey, go clear out these strongholds, go yeah. capture these things we're still one of those games,
0: yeah, and then uh Kinsey sucks, she's just the worst she like all she's there to do is be like the like nerd bait and then complain a lot uh. Zemos is, like, maybe the most racist character in a video game I've played in years. Yep, accurate, fully uh, accurate. For your information, Destiny, Zemos is a uh, black man, he's a pimp, you meet him at, like, an S&M, S&M club, and he talks entirely through auto-tune.
2: Wow. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No comment. Uh,
0: And then uh, Angel is okay, except it's Hulk Hogan doing his Terry Belia voice, and his Terry Belia voice is not why you hire Hulk Hogan, but it's kind of hilarious. I don't know. (laughs) It's hilarious they did that. The way that uh, the way that they portray professional wrestling in that game is really hilarious because they they clearly like know a lot, but they act like it's the '80s and nobody knows that wrestling is fake.
2: That's kind of great.
0: I, I mean... I kind of wish it wasn't that, though. Really? A lot
1: of Saints Row is defined by acting like it's the 80s, especially 4 and 3.
0: Yeah, that's true. But, oh, okay. uh, yeah, I don't know. I Like I said, the first, like, three hours of that game are choice. They're amazing. And after that, <laughs> it's fine. But I really just want to hang out with those characters and not do missions.
1: I would be interested to see what you thought of Century 4,
0: because I enjoyed
1: Century 4 and then got let down by it not having like an emotional
0: poignance that I,
1: for some reason, expected of it, and God knows why.
0: No, I thought the uh, the ending of 3 is, like, the least poignant thing.
1: It is, it is, but 4 is, like, a strangely contemplative game, because mm-hmm. so much of it is, like... Looking at where Saints Row started and what it is now, and like some, of, a lot of it like feels like a takedown of the irreverence of the series. It's strange. Yeah, that, and, that just sounds
0: like a final entry to me. So
1: yeah, but it doesn't. How ha- it doesn't like stick the landing. I don't like the ending of four at all. It just feels like another ending of those games. Well,
0: someday we'll talk about uh, the other four game that you're going to play very soon, and that sounds very similar. <laughs> yep. Uh, So I guess that's all we've been
1: playing? Yeah. Uh, probably. Have I, have I done anything else than,
0: like, look at Metal Gear? And I thought I played impact? through... No, I've talked about Nier. Never mind. I guess I haven't played uh, through anything. You went straight from Danganronpa. Oh, it's, right. It's, it's, it's I way. played through Danganronpa too, but we can't talk about that. Hey, guess what? Anyone who's listening, you should... Play 999 and VLR first, because ZeroScape 3 is real and is happening. <laughs> Shit, yes. Uh, God, but yes. after you do that, go play Dagon Rampa 1 and 2. They're pretty good. Mm-hmm. They're not as good as the ZeroScape games, though. So that's that's all i have gonna say about that. Let's uh, let's actually start this goddamn thing. What? Let's do it.
3: <laughs> oh <my gosh>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Early in the morning, rising to the street. (laughs) Light me up that cigarette and I strap shoes on my feet. (laughs) Got to find a reason, a reason things went wrong. Got to find a reason why my money is all gone. I got the donation (laughs) and I can still get high can play the guitar like a motherfucking riot. I you might you might get shot. I it off my
1: Segment 2 is going to be a look at game guides and how we feel about them when we play stuff Oh, sorry Uh, Good at intros, as always Uh, We... Well, it came out of playing Final Fantasy VIII and using a guide and the way uh, me and Destiny specifically reacted to having to like refer to this external thing constantly. So I th- we thought it'd be like interesting to talk about our relationship to game guides and how they change the way, if they do, that we play games and what
0: we think about them. Um, I have like a mini monologue prepared on this subject. Um, I mean...
1: Let's go, then.
0: Okay, so... (laughs) As someone who grew up playing primarily Nintendo games in the early 90s, uh, Nintendo Power was always a huge part of my life. And half of Nintendo Power is just, like, like maps and strategies, like, mini-strategy guides in the magazine. Like, that's what that magazine, like, bread and butter was, really. Um... And part of Nintendo Power is every time you renewed, you got a, like, a free, like, renewal gift, and they were, like, either soundtrack CDs, which I was not interested in as a kid, uh, I don't know why, because I had poor choices, um, or, uh, like a free strategy guide. So I ended up getting strategy guides for a lot of the games that I grew up playing, um, And because they were, like, gifts, I'd, like, get them for games that I have like, already played and beaten or that I really liked or that I had gotten a ways through. Like, getting the strategy guide was just a thing to do. And part of that is so much of the strategy guides of that era were about ancillary content. Like, the beginning of the Link to the Past guide is, like, 20 illustrated pages of the entire history of the Zelda franchise up to that point, which is only two games. But they were beautiful. And in the guide were just, like a bunch of custom art of like, here's the pottery of Harul and here's what traditional Highland dress looks like. And here's the pointed ears and a bit about the culture of that. Like there's a bunch of just things around it that were really interesting. Um, and I, I like someone on Twitter said, we have to talk about the earthbound guide and I will do that. Uh, as this went on, like guides became so ubiquitous that late SNES games came packaged with guides, Chrono Trigger and earthbound both came with a guide packed in and um, because well, part of it was Japan was like Americans don't like RPGs because Final Fantasy VII haven't had hasn't happened yet, so we need to make it easier for them by packing in the guide. But uh, Earthbound was advertised as having this beautiful guide and has a bunch of like clay art of like all the monsters and all the characters uh, that's custom for the guide. Like it, I don't, it's not in the game obviously, and uh, famously had scratch and stiff scratch and sniff stickers of like gross things, like, here's a garbage pile. Because uh, a garbage pile is one of the monsters, and a bunch of nonsense <laughs> like that. Why would uh, you
1: why why would you scratch that and sniff that? Th- well, so, Children. the advertisements
0: uh. of that game were one of the bosses, which was just a pile of goop called, I think his name's Master Glorp. Uh, and it was just a picture of him, and it said, this game stinks, because it was the 90s and Play It Loud happened. And
3: oh, on some 90s.
0: level people like revisionist history want to say that that's why that game didn't sell. I actually think that game didn't sell because it was a, like, NES-looking RPG released in, like, 1996 in America. So that's probably why. But, um, yeah, so guides were always a huge part of growing up. Like, I had guides for basically every big game I owned and cared about. Uh, You just... I just collect them, basically. uh, Even when they weren't particularly useful. And then the internet happened and it changed everything. Uh, twofold. One, game GameFAQs exists, and people are way more meticulous than a guide was ever going to be. Um, as you know by reading that 8 guide. Destiny's looked at the actual official 8 strategy guide, and it actually is not a very good guide. Yeah, uh, no,
2: it's terrible. I was just about to talk about that.
0: But uh, the thing that really killed it was Final Fantasy IX, in which if you bought the guide they were integrating it with a Square Enix run website where half of the information for every dungeon was online and you had to put in like a key code that was in the guide to access that page for the information. (laughs) which yeah, means I, I feel like that's like anyone who grew up with the trajectory i did the nine guide is where it broke and you stop buying guides because i immediately i was like yeah if you exists, i know what it is i use it all the time so i'm just going to use that from now on because i guess this is what guides are and to be perfectly honest outside of uh when i got really into pokemon i had that giant pokedex guide which is awesome uh it doesn't even have anything of the game it's just like 600 pages of pokemon and movesets uh it, outside of that, like, I don't really buy guides anymore.
1: Some You just gotta have on you the information about how Butterfree gonna do. Uh,
0: you know, I, we, we've we talked about how I got really deep into Pokemon, <laughs> like, maybe like, eight, eight, nine years ago? Eight years ago? Somewhere in there. It's been a while now. Yeah. It's been a I long just, road.
2: I just feel like guides, sometimes, like, I I want to say that it kind of robs you of certain experiences because you have to read and then you have to play do the thing the guide says then you then you go back and read it then you go do the thing so it's kind of um it doesn't spoil necessarily but just kind of knowing what's coming while you're doing it kind of makes it less of an experience and more of just following a list and so I don't know.
0: I, like, I use guides to refer to, like, oh, here's all the collectibles or whatever. Like, I, even when I use a guide, I typically don't go straight down the list. But even when I do, I don't necessarily agree with this argument because, so, when I use guides these days, is like, I'm stuck in an adventure game or something. Like, Jackson, like, you played through uh, Broken Age with a guide for when you got really stuck. Like, you just referred to, how do I fix this problem, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and otherwise, you never would have finished that game. No. Um, and like, I feel like a lot of the arguments against uh, guides come from the same place of, oh if you're not playing the game on normal or hard, you're not playing the real game. Like, the idea that authenticity has to be an unguided experience I, like Okay, um, I think it all comes out of the same place because I also feel this way about people who, like, say oh, like, why would you watch someone play a video game when you could just play it yourself? Like, that? it's still a valid experience if you're not like, the guiding force of the experience.
1: It is nothing to do with the fact that you are ha- being a guided. It is everything to do with, to me at least, the way that it breaks your relationship with the space. Like, if in Go- in Broken Age there was a button I could press to just it tell me what to do, that would be... I mean, Broken Age is a bad example, because adventure games are a whole own thing, and That's referring true. to guides in, ad- in adventure games is like... <laughs> I do that all the time when I have to to complete them, mm-hmm. but something like Final Fantasy VIII um, and Metal Gear Solid, which I I played Twin Snakes with a guide, but I didn't need to for the other ones.
0: Yeah, is, those games don't need guides.
1: Is it changes your relationship with the space because you are like making sure you don't miss things, so the space becomes something that you can just uh, like to to navigate the space. You have to go look at something that isn't the space, and. You- It, like, referring to that, like, uh, the stop-and-start nature of it is not what I want. I want to just engage with the thing I'm engaging with. If they built that kind of, like, hey, if they just put a marker in those games to say, hey, here's where the pistol is so you can get into the place, that wouldn't, like, it's not to do with the difficulty or the fact that I'm getting the information. It is the way it, like, affects my
0: interaction with the artifice that is video games. Um, okay, so... I have an example that make, might actually underline your point, because I feel yeah. like uh, this is an experience I had, where, like, because like, because I started with picture guides, like, printed guides always have, like, pictures of the spaces and stuff, um, and I still kind of use guides really lightly when I'm, like, going through a game. Like, I'll, when we were playing 8, I'm like, oh, the infirmary, it's, like, at the bottom left of the garden or whatever, and... Like I just knew kind of where all the things were off of the garden because I have that space in my head. But the guy, like the the guide that we used, was like, "Hey, go two screens right and then one screen up." And I feel like something that's very like if you're following it explicitly like that, I feel like yeah, you don't get a sense of the place. Yeah, and for eight specifically. Um, The anxiety
1: of, like, oh, I'm going to miss this thing, even when that didn't really matter and I could probably figure it out, Mm -hmm. uh, just having that anxiety changed my ability to just go through the game.
0: Mm. See, Um, it's really interesting because there is not a video game I play that I don't, like, at least consult a guide, like, once, just to see what's there, like, what the space is, like what what it like some mode unlocks i'm like okay let's go to a guide and see what this mode's about or like uh if i feel like there's something i might like might be missing in terms of secrets like oh what's there let's go look at a guide and see if there's something there if i'm just like imagining more space than exists oh
1: yeah like that i that's the the equivalent of just like asking your friend a thing
0: mm-hmm. like, and yeah. i wonder how much of like my reliance on guides is i grew up like as the person who played video games the most in my friend circle and like I had friends when I did have friends who play games, they didn't play as much of them. But for like my early childhood up until I got to junior high, like I didn't know anyone who played games like seriously. And so for me, like there is no playground experience that never existed. I never oh, had the is- go talk with your friends about a video game.
1: There isn't one for me either. But I like grew up in the internet where yeah. guides were just text files.
0: Yeah, there. I mean, yeah, this is explicitly a pre-internet era, but like. everyone everyone who grew up in that era talks about, oh, you go and discuss the games on the playground, but no one I knew played games.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I never had that either. I mean, if we did play games, we... uh, I don't know, like... I don't know if we talked about, like...
1: Yeah, I don't know. It just wasn't like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And whenever, like, there were game discussions, they were never, like... In a playground situation was never like good faith helping each other out thing. It was more like, oh, hey, I beat the guy. I'm the best. You can all suck my dick.
0: <laughs> but nope. I didn't have that experience either. So
1: Joshua beat Halo 2 on Legendary and wanted you all to know
0: it. No, when I when I found other people who played video games in junior high, we all were RPG nerds. So it was like, <laughs> hey, let's trade Pokemon and talk about Final Fantasy.
1: That's fine. Uh, That's pretty good. Oh, well, there was a lot. Pokemon trading was a thing. I just never played Pokemon because. I I mean, I had. Oh, sorry. Did I talk over you? No.
2: I was just going to say, I had the one friend, uh, and we would just kind of talk to each other about stuff, like when I was in junior high, because we played the same games. But, um, yeah, I never, like, had to rely on. Like, I never really played games, I guess, where you needed guides. So to go from that to, like, now where I'm constantly on game FAQs. Uh, or IGN is strange.
0: Mm Hmm. Um. I mean, is it just the like you grew up playing RPGs though? So I don't. I
2: I guess because I had the friend that would give me like I didn't have to use a guide because I could just ask my friend because usually I was borrowing them from a specific friend.
0: Oh, okay. That makes sense.
2: Yeah. And I mean, like when I was a little kid playing Zelda, we just, you know, we winged it. We didn't look
1: things up. Which Zelda?
2: Oh, Link to the Past, or oh, okay. not Link uh, to the Past? Sorry, Link's, Link's Awakening. Awakening. Yeah.
0: Um. So we've done two Final Fantasies. That I think is a good example of these, um, because to me, like games of that era are like I don't know why you would, I like I can't imagine playing them without guidance of some kind. Uh, I'm sure that people did and do, and it's fine. But like that's just antithetical to how I played games, but. Uh, I wrote up a lot of words for you guys on 7, and then 8, I kind of just let everybody go. Uh, I was curious how that experience was.
1: Uh, 8 is specifically confusing because it's so close to being able to not be a game you need a guide for, Mm -hmm. but it has very specific moments where, oh, if you didn't know beforehand, you would be fucked. Yeah, that was my problem. Like, finding the guy in the town...
0: In Bollum? I actually don't think that's hard. You just accidentally broke it the first time. (laughs) Maybe I did
2: accidentally
1: (laughs) break it. Uh, There was a specific order. I don't know. Yeah, there's specific orders, and that's just a moment I think of as a moment that is essentially designed to encourage exploration Mm -hmm. and finding out information on your own terms. Mm Mm-hmm. Whereas normally they just not give you the information and you'd have to work it out or find a guide like mm. lots of seven was that it was a thing is somewhere we're not going to tell you where it is either go to it or look up where it is. Yeah. Uh, and. eight. was so close to I could just go through stuff and play it but there was so many confusing things and also it's battle system and it's everything meant that if you didn't know exactly which stuff to have you'd get screwed
0: pretty fast. I mean, it's more forgiving than that, but... Uh... It sure felt like that
1: when I was playing, but then I just downloaded a save and
0: said, fuck it. No, I mean, <laughs> that game, you got to the point where you hadn't actually, you were under, way under-leveled for the stuff you need to be doing. I guess.
1: I um, had a lot more fun with 8 when I played the first half the second time because I didn't need to consult a guy. I just knew exactly, like, once I knew that game, it flowed really well. Yep.
0: As someone who's played all of those games multiple times, I enjoy them more as I play them. Yeah. like
1: Once they are experiences that you know where to go to get the thing... Or at
0: least, uh, like, at least you remember enough to get by. Right. Yeah.
1: And I, I can tell that is happening also with Metal Gear, because that's a game defined by getting the thing to get to the next place.
0: Yeah, like uh, when we played Metal Gear Solid 2, like, I think we looked up like two things, Destiny, right? Yeah, like, we, we yeah. played. But for the most part, we were kind of going off my flimsy memory and the fact that that game is pretty linear.
1: I didn't need to look up anything from Metal Gear Solid 2, uh, I don't think. No, because I deliberately didn't, which led to a lot of confusing situations. But with the first game, I needed to, because like, when I played Metal Gear for the first time, I couldn't get into the base but mm-hmm. once I understood what Metal Gear was, like, going through one with
0: a guide, I knew what to look out for. Mm-hmm. You always, you go up top, and you go through the vent on the second floor. I, did, I do that. I did that. That's, <laughs> that's, uh, I, like, I know there are other ways into the base. I don't know why you wouldn't take that one.
1: It's specifically the fact that, like, you could easily get into that base without the pistol and then not have a pistol.
0: Yeah, that's true. Like, uh,
1: <laughs> I, if I didn't play with a guide, I would have done that the first time I you played You can Metal always Gear go side.
0: back and get the pistol.
1: Sure, but I wouldn't know it's there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Sure. Like, that game is of a vintage where, like, exploring the space was, like, the whole point.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: And they they move away from that. Yeah.
2: I also feel like the first two games do a really good job of kind of, like, hinting around at what you have to do next or what you have to get and where to
0: find it. In in the second game, because we were critical pathing so much... Uh, when we got to the point where you're like on the like you have to cross the bridge with all the explosives and you had you need the sniper rifle like we had to look up that was one of the things we had to look up where the sniper rifle was because I didn't go back to the warehouse and open all those doors and I had the key card because I was playing with on very easy so I just was like silencing dudes with or tranking dudes with the the trank pistol so I didn't even bother to pick up equipment for the most part. Oh like, I was very much keeping it that game I was not interested in picking up anything because I didn't need to like I had the gun that I was going to use the entire game
1: Yeah and I've been like that with 3 in the <laughs> I've got I've been playing on very easy and I've only used one gun but I've always got everything else so I just have a full inventory of
0: useless things Yep. which is kind of hilarious in its own way to be fair mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah but ah. th- that game is designed in such a way where half of your items are useless anyway except maybe in very specific circumstances where you require them. Mm-hmm. Like um it's a game that encourages my desire to have a guide so I don't miss anything. But like the problem isn't that I might miss something. The problem is more that I am so worried about missing something when it doesn't actually matter. Yeah. Like <laughs> oh, I, I So, well, I, it doesn't. Cuz if you don't get a certain gun in the game like that, it doesn't matter. You've still got the pistol, you'll be
0: fine. That's
1: true. Um
0: I wonder how much of this is like do you feel like as someone who grew up like in an era where games were much more like linear and then also an era in which achievements were like a thing that that yeah. like backprints into that sort of idea? I think so. Um like when I go to
1: mid 90s games or early 3D games that are about space, mm-hmm. the like the way they approach giving the player what like objectives is so different mm. like th- th- with the early 3d games it's like hey you can move about a space that's what you want right go move about the space yep. whereas it's uh, basically after 2002 everyone said no we've moved about the space now tell me where to go yeah uh so it is strange going back but i, I appreciate that a lot of that is based on assumptions that Allow like allow me to approach things in a like kind of a historical mm-hmm. way sometimes. So but also, I'm also not, not aware of that.
0: Like while like I'm guilty of encouraging everyone to experience everything because we do podcasts about games. Yeah. Like when we play when we play a game to talk about like I'm try I tr- like when we played Final Fantasy like I'm like oh let's all do all the side quests when we played Planescape we're like let's go explore all these spaces and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I specifically went through everything in that game and then told you like you could skip that random dungeon because it sucked. Uh, um, oh, but, no, uh,
1: I started it off and was like, "Oh God, this dungeon yep. is terrible! Get me out of um, here!" <laughs> Holy shit, don't do that dungeon.
0: But um, like, when I play games on my own, like I'm the least completionist now. Like, I care about going through the game and seeing all the stuff I get out of it. But like, even f- like I would like to finish my games, but like even that, if I'm not into it, like sometimes I'll just be like, "Okay, I'm done. I've got what I want out of it." Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I wonder, like, I know the podcast skews that, but like, I also don't have, like, I don't look at achievement lists anymore, and I feel really good about that. I, I do, yeah, I, I do. Just I, I used three three to, I, uh, and if I like, when I if I really like a game, like after I'm into it, I'll look at a list. But I don't start off. It used to be I started off like, okay, here's the list. Is there anything missable? Let's make sure I get those. Uh, I don't do any of that anymore, and it feels so much nicer.
1: Matt, I think I might platinum that Metal Gear Three. No, you won't. It, the guy specifically said you can get every single trophy in one play and very easy. It's oh, not really? like two. Yeah, it's not like 2 where you have to oh, play three. Oh, for threes. some
0: reason I assumed you had to play like European Extreme Difficulty and no, like...
1: Th- that's what I thought. Cause that's what 2 is because it has the stuff with the wigs. Um, but, no, with, with, yeah, I know um,
0: I don't even know what you're talking about with the wigs
1: Yeah, me neither, that's why I laugh. The, the dog tags that get you wigs are different based on each difficulty
0: Oh, because we were just tranking dudes, I think I picked up one dog tag in the entire game
1: Yep, I only had the one for the um, explosives man.
0: Yeah, in Modern Metal Gear Destiny, because we really haven't experienced this, there's a collectible in which if you hold guys up, like you put the gun up and you're like, hands up and they go do that, Uh like they'll drop dog tags, and you collect a different set of dog tags from soldiers based on difficulty. So to get all the dog tags, you have to play through on every difficulty.
1: Oh, wow. (laughs) Yep. What's this about wigs? It, it, I, in the unlock, it, you can change Raiden's hair color. Oh,
0: okay. Oh. Uh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yep. But, um...
1: No, I'll, I'll go look and see. Oh, I should do this. Because why not, right? It's it's dumb. Uh, usually I don't. Usually I move on and stop carrying. But I'm fairly thorough in the way I play through games. Like but I, also,
0: like... Play through the first time, and then if you still want to do that, you could just go do it and skip all the cutscenes and stuff.
1: Oh yeah, that's that's always my plan whenever I play anything. The first time through is just the first time
0: through. It like I because I want to experience as many games as possible. I got into the trap of I'm going to play this once, but I want to get all of the achievements or trophies in that single playthrough, and that's the great way to hate video games. I'm glad don't do I broke that. myself of that. Well, I don't do that it anymore.
1: 2009 was that the year for that?
0: It was around <laughs> there. Yeah, sure.
1: Yeah, that sounds like
0: the year. I have a a thousand achievement points in Blue Dragon. I have almost a thousand achievement points in Lost Odyssey. (sighs) Why would you do that to yourself? I think I might have a thousand achievement points in Tomb Raider Legend. How angry were you that you missed the one crate in Lost Odyssey? I don't (laughs) want to talk about it. I don't (laughs) want to talk about it.
1: Because there's one crate in Lost Odyssey that if you miss it, you can't... Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's that is not, ridiculous. It's the most, like, fuck you to achievement points thing ever. It's kind of amazing. But,
0: um, but yeah, someone... so, like, like, I played the Dragon Rampa too, and then, like, especially in, like, the investigation segments, I just looked up the things I needed to research because I didn't want to click on everything. Mm
3: hmm.
0: Like, because. Like, I'm playing those games to experience the story, and, like, I am the most content tourist as a video gamer approaching 30. Like, I'm there to see what your story is in a game like that, and I don't care about the actual gameplay much at all. I I play the trials legitimately because I think I'm pretty good at them, and I like that part, but everything else, I don't want to look around for stuff.
1: Your philosophy towards playing video games is that Sonic LP.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) For sure. That Sonic LP... (laughs) I I mean, this is a little tangential, but we might as well induct it into our reading list because it deserves it. Because it's
1: clearly a joke, but it's also everything we actually think about video games. uh,
0: The uh, Sonic LP that we will link, I don't even know who does it. It's just some guy doing the most chill run-through of Sonic 1, right? I think so. Um, But it's from... No, it's 1 because it has the awful bonus stage. Um but it's from like one of the sonic compilation like re-releases and so it has like a very easy mode and he just plays through in very easy and has like the sleepiest voice and he he talks about the history of sonic and everything he says is a lie and it's amazing <laughs> it's just like the greatest weird lp we're just going to be on invincible mode for a while
1: cuz that's who we are we could be heroes
0: Sonic
1: yeah, Rose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's the best it's, it's the beautiful. B- it's the greatest. I love it so much. It's
0: yep. so
2: dumb that it's brilliant.
0: He <laughs> attaches one of the background elements in like World 2 of Sonic to Sonic Unleashed. He's like this was the inspiration for Where Sonic. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Making up video game history, we're getting completely off topic here, but it's I, I, it's one of my favorite things to do, because of how weird and abstract, specifically, that era of game design is. Yep. It's how you... The, Mario, the actual, real Mario canon sounds like one of these...
0: Especially since, like, for Japanese games, especially of those kind of companies, there is no, like, information about, uh, like, eternal processes. Mm-hmm. Like, Miyamoto has not talked about why the clouds in Mario... Like, why they, like, had faces. I know why. Like, everyone knows why, but it's a weird thing.
1: Why do they have faces?
0: Because there are, uh like, sorry, that's not what I meant. The uh the, the cloud is the bush in Mario 1. Yeah, which is we know bush, why. Right? I know, but, like, they're never going to talk about that sort of stuff.
1: No, unless it's, like, In-N-A-Water Asks.
0: Yeah, uh, and they don't really talk about, they don't go that deep in those about water Asks. They go pretty deep for what they are, but, you know, there's only so many of them. And so, yeah, you're just allowed to invent this history that is apocryphal and weird. It's pretty great. Hmm? It's pretty great. <laughs> so we've gone kind of far afield of guides. Does anyone have any positive guide experiences? I shared mine, of course.
1: I enjoy them when, like, when it matches up right. They're pretty cool. It's they're the they're at their best when you've either printed them out or you've got a paper one. Like, I don't like checking my phone because my phone. Yeah, I like too small.
2: paper guides.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't like like having to go to my computer when I'm playing a console game, because when I was a kid, it, the computer was in the other room. The the uh, like, the like amount of effort it took to go check a guide meant turning off the game, doing something else, and then coming back an hour later. Yep. Yeah. I couldn't refer to a guide in the same way.
0: I uh, had the era of a three-ring binder full of printed guides. That oh was gosh. a weird era. I,
1: I didn't... I, w- I almost... Almost. I, don't I think almost I was went allowed there. to use that much paper up. So
2: like, well, yeah, I had to write thing. down what I needed to look up, go to the computer, write it down, write I write a bunch of stuff down, write down whatever cheat codes I needed, go back to the console.
1: <laughs> well, that that was the thing. It's, it's like the problem isn't just the concept of guides. the Problem is that fucking GameFAQs guides are written for human beings who are not of this earth. In how they approach video games.
0: <laughs> to be fair, not everyone is. But the problem is, the best like the best guides well, you, are usually written by like that.
1: You want the comprehensive ones, but they yeah. don't tell you like I I want the easy. I want the guide to the guide. <laughs> to you,
0: you want the guide that is like here's the critical path, but it's well written and it actually goes through everything. You want the content tourist guide.
1: Yeah, I want the here's what you need to see. Here's the easiest way to do that, and here's the way I can inform you of what to do. Yep as far ahead in advance, so you don't have to keep Those Final
0: Fantasy guides that we picked are hilarious in that both guides that we've used that I've, uh. like, recommended because they're good guides, but they're written by people who assume that you're trying to complete the game and complete is defined by get a hundred of every item that you could possibly get multiples of, Oh yeah, and so it's, it's the most ridiculous thing.
2: It's really don't, hard to suss out mm-hmm. the optional things from the actual important thing you want, and yeah. that's frustrating. Control don't, F is
1: your friend. Don't put, or, um... Shit, what's his name? Orion? Not Orion. Odin. Don't put Odin on now, because if you put Odin on later, uh, you'll be able to get two GFs instead of one. And why you would care, God only knows. (laughs) Avoid him for now.
0: Uh, But yeah, I don't know. The Earthbound Guide's great. I think it's telling that when Nintendo re-released that game... You, your Wii U gamepad can just display the Earthbound guide. Like, they released it in a format that is conducive to that.
1: That's cool.
0: Um, and the Link to the Past guide, just in terms of visual splendor, is always choice. It That is the guide of my childhood, that Link to the Past guide. Like, I love it so much.
2: I'm just happy that Nintendo guides seem to be very, very thorough, because the Final Fantasy 8 guide that I used left out huge chunks of very important things, and I did not understand why. It felt like more of a highlights of Final Fantasy VIII than it did a guide. Mm
0: -hmm. Part of that is the size of the game is much bigger. I mean, it (laughs) had, like, a
2: really nice index in the back of all the monsters and stuff.
0: I I remember buying the Fallout 3 guide, which is printed on basically, like, phone book paper because it's so goddamn thick. (laughs) And it's just, like, a three-color, like... The giant tome of quests and map markers, and it's just intense. Because how do you make a guide for a game like that?
1: <laughs> I brought the Mass Effect 1 guide so I could go to every planet and
0: find out what was there. Oh my... Are you kidding me? Yeah. No. I can't... Wh- wh- I really? wanted to go
1: to all the planets, Matthew. I wanted to see the galaxy.
0: I played Mass <laughs> Effect 1 in, like, eight hours. It was just like a screaming tear through that game. 30-hour game. Nope. <laughs> I mean, um, I
1: played Mass Effect One five times. Talking to the Mass Effect One man.
0: Oh my god! <laughs> and this—the this, worst part is—we like Mass Effect One about the same amount. <laughs>
1: Mass group. I was way more into Mass Effect because I was a teenager when that came out. Yeah, that's true. Like it was the perfect time for that to hit me.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: it's no Ninja Gaiden when it comes to games that I played forever.
0: Yep, my era of playing games over and over again is far over. Uh, The Persona
1: Four
2: Guide's pretty great. It's like really thick and it's super thorough and I mean it has to be, but
0: I I, love that guide. The Persona Four
1: Guide is a series of videos that you watch before playing the game. (laughs) Nope. nope. I (laughs) assume
0: that the (laughs) Persona Four guide still doesn't accurately explain how to fuse personas because it took me like three charts and a technical breakdown of the underlying (laughs) mechanics of the game to understand how fusing works.
2: It has a ton of charts. Because it's it's the thickest guide I've ever seen.
0: The the three the the three <laughs> persona fusions are actually the most confusing thing I've ever seen in an RPG.
2: Yeah, it breaks everything down. It, it it's really great,
0: actually. Because they're they're based on things that aren't surfaced and they change a lot. Because it's based on personas levels, and there's like threshold points, and it's the worst.
3: Yeah, because it
2: like think... tells you what level to get everything to to fuse it properly. And oh,
0: okay,
1: it's it's neat. I think I've accepted. I'm never gonna play Persona Four. Oh,
0: it's you, so you fun. should you should play Golden because the stuff in Golden is so amazing. But I really
1: want to, but it's seven
0: decades long. Just put on very easy and don't do the thing I did where I was. I was like, I'm gonna get every Persona. If you yeah, remember you don't, how you, you said that you do don't do automation. that anymore. I didn't. I didn't hundred percent that game. You got all the personas for no reason whatsoever. I I I think they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reason. I wanted to have my compendium. My and I wasn't. I wasn't gonna go do it in three. And since the personas don't really change much from game to game, I'm like, I'm gonna do this in one of these games, and that's the one. And it was four.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm gonna play five. uh, I'm gonna play five. Oh, Persona Three is a game I played without a guide, and then fucked myself out of talking to Tanaka ever, so I had to start it again with a guide, and that was annoying.
3: Yeah,
2: those you can't play without a guide, and I resent that.
0: I honestly, I think for Persona, all you need to look at is when to unlock social links. Yes that's
1: and that's what I like
0: like <laughs> that's not that's not a full guide experience though that is hey I need to know this one no, specific thing but
1: once I switched to using a guide to a persona 3 it became like okay here's what I do today to make sure like once I'd already had the moment where the game revealed that I could break it by missing something Because I was playing it for like thirty hours, like just trusting that I'll just do whatever I want. No, the
0: the when I played Persona Three, there are characters that I like. I looked how to get everyone social link, but there are characters I only got to like level two with. Yeah,
1: and I had a
0: very natural experience of that game, and that's
1: what I like about that because it's about balancing these relationships. And I think playing it with a guide robs you of that. But once I'd I'd realized that I'd put one of the characters... the character who would introduce me to Tanaka, I'd put them to social link ten, and I'd only gone to them through the like I I always went to their room rather than talking to them in the hallway because that's where they were and apparently not doing that doing that means you can't unlock Tanaka mm-hmm. and it was the most arbitrary ridiculous thing i was so annoyed i was so grumpy
0: mm-hmm. i uh while i do think that sucks i it's weird for social links like that cuz they're in they were added to a special edition of that game, so like I tend to give them a little more leeway in that they were never meant to be part of the normal experience.
1: I just know that I'm never going to like trust Persona again. I'm always going to have to check, and that's I mean, the that, break of l- that trust. Like,
0: that's literally the only thing I would check, though, is how to get all the social links.
1: Because mm-hmm. that's what I want. I, I, I just want to know that I'm not missing anything, or that if I am missing anything, it's through choice. I have to know I what I have time. to
2: do on each day, because I don't want to, like... No, I'm not looking for stuff.
1: I'm not looking for that. If
2: I want to do
0: that, I'll play the game again.
1: See, but I know I won't because it's long.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I
1: mean, I'm kind of glad I did it because if I didn't do it that way, I wouldn't have got to ten with Shijiro, or whoever his name is. But the first sucks. Th- I why like would you, no why one would else you like, hang out with him? He's he clearly better than Akihiko.
0: No, I mean, he is, but he also sucks, and he's not as hot as Akihiko, so... I, he, right, I, don't, I, don't, right
1: I don't understand the Akihiko
0: love. I don't understand. He's he wears a vest, he's got white he's hair. He's boring. He's uh, boring. He is boring, kind of boring, but he's so hot.
2: He's, like, shy, and he's, like, always embarrassed about the things he likes. Yeah, he's, he's shy,
0: but, like, In, like, this very, like, I'm gonna be super strong and taciturn, but I'm also gonna dress really nicely, and oh, oh.
1: And then they put him in his
0: goddamn arena outfit, and it ruined everything. Oh,
1: it's the worst! Though, like,
0: the Akihiko, like, Chie dynamic in those games is pretty good, so that's all right. Yeah.
1: Shijiro is, like, sad and broken and wants to help people, but can't. And, ah oh, he's got so much more going on. I don't understand Akihiko, the internet.
0: He's hot. Like, like he the character I actually there. want to hang out with is Ken, <laughs> but Ken is, like, 10, so it's weird. So.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh man, true. the writing on that Ken stuff. There's some EE <laughs> elements right there. Look... <laughs> <laughs>
0: Ken is adorable He's like the best Persona character
1: I, I love Ken I just want to go hang out and eat At that place that we eat And, and
0: then in Arena Ultimax He is dis- disconcertingly hot For someone who's only like 15 He went from being anime children
1: To anime adults as... Yeah
0: the problem is anime adult is a spectrum from like 14 to like 35
1: <laughs> No anime adult is a spectrum from 14 to 20 anime old is Anything from like right.
0: one.
2: Yep, that's
1: right. Uh, oh, anime yeah. aging is different to normal aging. Um, we're, we're done. We've
0: gone on at length now. We have to stop this.
1: Bye! Bye. Bye.
4: There were two sisters came walking by the sea Oh, the wind and the earth. The eldest one pushed the other one in Oh, the dreadful wind and So they both had a love for the captain's son Of the wind and the rain But he only cared for the youngest one oh, the dreadful wind held his dead feet her sister fair oh the wind and the rain with a pretty little face and her long blonde hair all oh, the dreadful wind and rain so she pushed her in and held her down oh, her as she slowly drowned on the dreadful wind and rain she floated up and she floated down
0: talk about her story which uh we don't typically do the topic du jour but it won't be topic du jour by the time this podcast comes out so i felt all right about it also i wasn't going to play this game unless we talked about it basically
1: and the internet was talking about a lot and i was like "Ah, i just want to play it before i run across something i don't want to
0: yep uh her story is an interactive movie video game directed and published by sam barlow uh he did Silent Hill Shattered Memories. That's like his famous game. Uh, he was the creative lead on that, I guess. Whatever. Yes. He was um, the- it, it stars uh, Viva Seifert, who is an actress. It is a game uh, that presents as like a desktop in which you're accessing files from the 90s of an interview with uh, like a suspect in a murder investigation. Yes. And which you can query the database of everything that, that, that she said through, like, a simple search that infuriatingly only returns five of the top results each time. (laughs) Uh, And you watch little video clips that are just her side because the database with the detective side was lost, even though I don't think that's actually how they record it. They don't do two camera setups. Why anyone would have cut this up into little clips makes zero sense to me, but that's how they did it. Uh, And uh, you go through and you figure out the story. It is much more of an interactive... Like, I say interactive fiction, but that's a genre that means something else entirely. But it is very much a, hey, engage with this story that is just a thing you watch and experience, then uh, it is much... Like, the genre on Wikipedia is interactive movie, and that makes sense to me. So, uh, we had a little interruption there, but... uh, Interactive movie. So, what what did everybody think of the experience of her story? Uh, I feel like we should talk through our initial, like like, our first sit-down with this game before we talk about what it is, actually, because I think that's maybe more interesting.
1: Okay.
0: Who wants to go first? I think Destiny should go first. Destiny, well, would you like I... to go first?
1: I'd
2: love to go first. My... Mm. Yes. My initial impression was that it was... I... I guess I thought it was going to be more of an investigation and less of an unfolding of a story. And uh, so when I started, I was thinking like, if I were a detective, what would I want to look into right away? So like the first, when you open up the little readme file on the desktop mm. and it mentions like, um, I think they use murder as a prompt.
0: So, murders the murders already in the search field when you start.
2: Oh, that's what it is. Okay, so it starts you off with murder. So you watch all the murder videos, and then I think the next thing I wanted to look at was, uh, she said, Simon's name. So then I typed in Simon, and so I just I, I kept to like little details like locations and any names I heard, any proper nouns, and then when it started to go a little weirder, uh, as far as like what's the deal with. Uh, the character. Like I didn't even know she had a name for quite some time into the gameplay. Uh and also I think the last clip I watched in the first batch of No, excuse me, uh the second batch of clips I pulled up was the uh we're spoiling stuff, right? Yeah. yeah. It was like one of the maybe fifth clips I watched was her saying, I'd like to see my lawyer. Mm. So I was like, Oh, all right, so I assume she's already guilty. But I didn't quite understand. Like, I I found myself kind of lost because I didn't know what exactly I was looking for. Was I looking for proof of guilt? Was I looking for proof of innocence? So I was uh, searching it a little too methodically. But then once you started getting little bits and pieces of her background and her upbringing that's when it started to become less of an investigation and more of just like i want to hear what she's about and listen to her talk and i find that there are these things about her that are really intriguing and not in a you were innocent or guilty way but just in a who are you kind of a way so that's when i started searching a little more abstractedly um and that that was my initial impression
0: right um i uh, I started, so I started the, like, the murder prompt, and then, like, I went to Simon, and then I'm like, okay, so he had all these work people, and they were at the, the rock, so I searched the rock and some stuff with Eric and whatnot, but then I quick, like, I don't even know what I searched, but I got the video of her with her head down, saying, oh, Hannah, why did you tell them about Eve, and that, like, was the thread that I, like, latched onto, and I went deep on the Eve stuff, which, uh, like, like it's kind of the central thrust of the plot, but I feel like, actually, I wonder how quickly you're supposed to find it, because I feel like so much of the game is, like, the video bulk is not about that, but or talks around it, but then when you're there, it just, like, gives you everything, basically. Uh, and so, I like, the EVE thread was the thing for me, because that was the thing I liked the most, and what I latched onto, and that's what I followed down, um... And then eventually got mired in a bunch of stuff. For some reason, I never thought to search Florence, which was the midwife. And that would have unlocked a lot of stuff that I saw very late when I finally did everything.
2: Whereas that was one of the first ones I searched.
0: Yeah, and that would, that unlocks a whole sort of backstory that I didn't see till like almost the very end.
1: Oh, that must have been what got you the chit-chat pop-up.
0: Yeah, immediately. Because once you search
1: flourish, you get to like the the end of the game.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep.
1: Uh, I played it, assuming it was a detective game as well. I started really methodically, so I got the murder one so I watched them, and then I just searched a blank field. So I got the first five videos, mm-hmm. uh, and because I was like, okay, I want to be methodical about this. I want to see the start. Let's. Yeah, see. you just
0: discovered how to break the game immediately, which is so infuriating to me
1: i didn't search blank and i didn't do the thing with the other thing i just the first search i did was an empty thing oh okay i was like i want the first i want the start of it i want the start of it i want to know so i got her name i got the situation i got the exposition it felt that felt right to me uh to have that as set up and then i started by um looking like like making Detailed notes and checking what was going on. I was like, okay, there's The Rock and there's Eric. And he works at the glazes, but there's tension at the glazes and they're poor. And I can't really make things work. And then I'm like going down all these notes. And then I stumbled onto the one where she talks about um, uh, going to going to London from Portsmouth mm-hmm. and how she blames it on Eve. And then I was like, oh, Eve, Eve. And then you find the my mother called me Eve clip. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, shit, I guess I'm doing this now. Yeah, (laughs) and the the game was then wait is this I was like really worried for a while if it was just going to be a shitty dual personality thing and then I got onto oh the different people and the twins that's
0: ridiculous oh that's good Uh, okay so one of the things I want to talk like the thing that we should talk about I want to get out of the way is that this is not an actual detective game it is just sold as one yep Um, What it actually is, is like a kind of psychological horror game about whether or not there are two people or one person and what these sisters are about uh, and how it exists, like how that exists and how it influences one murder. Um, And I would be remiss. Well, okay, so I want to talk about the articles, Jackson, that you brought to our attention first. How about that?
1: Um, Yeah, go on then. I mean, you brought them to my attention independently. And I was like, oh, I read these.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> there's the Kill, Street, Sk- Kill Screen article called "Shut Up Her Story," yep. and then what was the review? I don't have that up anymore. It's the Point. Slate
1: review, Slate review, Slate.
0: Um, and in it, they basically talk about how uh, while this seems to be like like it's sold as detective fiction that builds on like uh, like a homicide, life on the streets kind of thing, um, actually falls into a bunch of like weird psychological tropes and then they tie it to, like, CSI and uh, stuff like that and, like, it's supposedly, like, this alarmist screed against criminals but it actually... The
1: the big one I've seen um, her story tied to is Gone Girl which I... I Like, when you're approaching it through that lens of crime fiction that is sold as serious detective like, that's an oscar bait movie and it's the most nonsense, hilarious thing of all time. That's what Gongo is. And mm-hmm. people like walk are able to walk away from that film like having this MRA message pumped to them. So I don't like Gongo at all, for a lot of the reasons people equate her story to, but I think her story is a slightly different and more aware thing of what it wants to be. Mm-hmm.
2: And
0: while... Uh, sorry, were you going to say something, Destiny?
2: Oh no, I was just going to say, it's,
1: it's a slant article by Jed Pressgrove.
0: Oh, Slants. I yeah. I guess Slant and Slate
1: confused all the time.
2: It's okay. Um no, I was very, they got very
1: similar, very similar names. No. Yeah.
2: Uh, I was going to say that like, yeah, there's a lot of uh flack given for this sort of crazy woman trope uh that you know, uh, we've seen it in Basic Instinct and Gone Girl uh recently.
0: I I and, so object to that because I feel like that's explicitly not what this game is about.
2: Well that's what I'm saying, like uh the game being written off is that I disagree with because I feel like it it like it almost dismisses everything that is being like presented to you. Hmm. It's super dismissive in this way that I cannot stand.
0: So while they totally could have made this a version that was just a detective game, and I think it would have been great. Uh, I want
1: to link that one
0: day. We're going to link it, but uh, Sam Barlow did an amazing interview with Austin Walker at Giant Bomb uh, that you can listen to in podcast form, in which they talk about like Dave Simon and Serial, and like the onus that is on an author who writes like true crime fiction, and like how people feel about true crime and how you process it, like as like a leery. Kind of thing. It's something that me and Jackson talked about when we listen to Serial, because uh, I struggle with true crime stuff a lot. Um, but um, uh, it actually isn't that. What what her story actually is is like a much more somber take on the film Sisters, which is a horror movie that starts like the first half hour of that is, hey, this guy is dating his sister, uh, this woman, and like it's on his birthday or whatever. And while it happens, like, this other, like, this other version of her comes out. It's a 1973 movie. Um, this other version comes out and murders him. And then it's just about these two sisters, where one of them is a murderer, and one of them is not. And whether or not they're actually two people or not. And, like, it falls down this very 1970s, like, psychological bent that is super problematic now. But, uh... It's also just a great horror movie. Uh, it's a Brian De Palma movie uh, starring Margot Kidder, who plays uh, both sisters, obviously, and uh, absolutely worth watching. And I think key to like my understanding of this text in that this is just a, like a schlocky horror movie as a game.
1: Yeah, it's a genre thing.
0: Yeah, it's... and it doesn't it doesn't actually have the scares in it outside of like the oh, context the of fucking the coffee yeah, cup. The, Holy the con- shit. Okay, we'll, we'll have to talk about that, but just a second, Ooh. like, the context of the game, like, the atmosphere can be, like, chilling, and, like, the clips out of context are often, like, startling or can theme, seem creepy, but all this, the scare part that would be in a horror movie happened before this all happened, This is all aftermath, but it's still just a horror genre piece. Mm-hmm. So, coffee cup, Jackson oh
1: god the coffee the coffee cup is just she spills the coffee cup and yells and it's the one moment of tension breaking in the entire game and i jumped a lot uh the uh the the entire game has this very oppressive atmosphere that comes through looking at this computer uh you feel the room that you're in you feel the lights behind you it's uh very dedicated to making this windows 95 machine tangible And there are like these really creepy moments where you see your own reflection in the screen. So it does a really good job of like uh, enforcing an atmosphere that is conducive to putting you in a state to be scared without providing the scares. So when there's a a scene like her lying on the table tapping or a scene like her um, uh, spilling a coffee cup and yelling, they are chilling the moments, even though they're actually rather mundane. Mm -hmm. and oh the other big one is the moment you realize that those two interviews are the same rehearsed interview
0: yeah for me that was maybe the creepiest moment where like the description of what happened is like two different interviews but they are almost word for word yeah that was
2: creepy that was a little unnerving Mm
0: -hmm. like even her gestures and like cadence are the same and it's like the most rehearsed thing uh and there's even a video where like she like gets indignant when the detectives imply that she like rehearsed her story.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Which I think is great that they are aware that it is super rehearsed cuz it is.
2: What's yeah. also weird is the part where if you type in twins, the first clip you get is her being really
1: like, "What? Twins? What?" <laughs> and and do you assume that they're talking about her uh like pregnancy? At first, if you see that at first.
0: Oh, I had already discovered Eve, so I was trying to figure out them.
1: Uh, I still thought there was some implication that that was to do with her pregnancy.
0: No, I didn't have any of that.
1: Me neither. Does that mean that the cops knew at the first clip that they were twins?
0: I don't think that's the first clip. I think it happens pretty deep in.
2: Yeah, I just, I don't remember. That's the part I had a hard time with the timeline. Even though those clips are dated and you can tell by what she's wearing...
0: Yeah, uh, there's, like, there. I think there's, like, six interviews, all told, five or six? I thought there were eight. seven. I thought there seven. Okay, sorry. But it happens in, like, interview, like, three, I think, is where they ask about the twins.
1: Yeah, there's, it's blue. It's the blue shirt, mm-hmm. and it's the same interview where she, like, taps on the table. Yeah.
0: um, so But it's I'm- definitely, like, it's at the point where I think that there are enough clues that, like, you've gotten two very different personalities coming into this thing. Mm-hmm. And so maybe they were just pulling at a thread, like taking a guess. Maybe. We'll never know. We'll never mm. know.
1: Uh, yeah. I am mixed on her story overall. Uh, I respect it a lot. I feel like I have a lot of the criticisms that people have of its... Um, like those articles have some criticisms I consider valid, but I like respect the the things that I dislike about her story and that it becomes this horror thing uh mm. out of a genre that i am not as interested in rather than they're like inherently bad
0: uh, okay so before we talk about this because i think it's kind of the end thrust of what we think about her story yeah i want to ask the two questions about the actual plot of her story that i think okay. are worth asking because like everyone treats this game as oh you need to take a lot of notes and like yep. everything's so unexplained and it's actually i think 100 percent explained except for two points that i have
1: the the, the the entire last interview is a exposition dump of the highest order.
0: Yes. Yep. So, two points. One, do you think that Hannah and Eve are two separate people?
1: They have to be, otherwise this game is bad.
2: I don't think that they're two separate people. I think it's all... I think... I don't know which one is made up and Like, I guess it's Eve that's made up? That's the part I was confused on. Like, one of them is made up, and... I don't think it's a dissociative identity thing. I just think that it's just, she is accustomed to just lying about this thing. And I don't know why, but I just think that that's something that she had been doing for ages, just to get through whatever weird childhood she had. Well, and I see, I see. Mm-hmm. so also there, it's heavily so, implied that she lies a lot, you know.
0: Through. So there's, a like... The descript- the actual filming of the actresses, like indicate like implies that there are two people because in one like she doesn't have the tattoo and her sleeve is rolled up enough that you would see it, and one that she does have it.
2: Oh, and then the bruise like when you ask when she asks yeah. when you see her with the bruise, and then you yeah. type in bruise, she touches the wrong side of her face.
0: Yeah, but uh, and and the like bruise like changes ba- like it's there for one person and not the other, and she's like, oh, I heal really fast, but. Uh, so there is totally I think a narrative that the game could support in which the, a girl is born that was like twins and one of the twins died in childbirth cuz the cord was wrapped around her and then this girl grew up like really like high achieving like type A prim and proper and had this like almost like imaginary friend of this sister that she lost maybe she like was told that she had a sister that died and she just made this fancy world and she like lives upstairs in the attic and we played together because she talks so much about my parents just thought I had an imaginary friend. um, And then that was where she offloaded all her rebelliousness like, oh, I'm, I want to sleep with boys. Well, that's a thing Eve can do and I want to be really forward. And that's, and that's how Eve can I do.
2: interpreted it.
0: And maybe like the trauma of that murder like totally ended up subsuming the Hannah personality and then Eve became like the dominant one. She just ends up rush, rushing all the way into Eve, one hundred percent. It's very psycho. By the end of the game. Yeah, um, and that's like the very psycho like the psychological. Film not
2: psycho me saying that.
0: Yeah, uh, it's very psychological horror read on that game. Or as Jackson said, they could totally be two people, and, I, and I, it'd I, just be that thing.
1: I think that that comes out of my uncomfortableness with like lots of psychological horror because mm-hmm. it always trades in some like gross tropes to do with mental illness. That's just inherent to what it is.
3: Yep. Yeah, it yeah. never
2: does it never handles it fairly and it never handles it realistically.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But I don't think I don't know. I think the actual answer is it doesn't matter.
0: No no no. I think it's interesting that you both fell on different sides because I, I kind of believe that they're two people, but I like I like the narrative in which they're one person more.
1: I mean I think the the game is about the fact that you can't know
0: yeah that's exactly like, it like it, the, but
1: it has mm-hmm.
2: evidence to support either uh interpretation because it just depends on the order in which you find the footage and when you stop
3: because mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: the the like context for the, the game places its entire emotional arc in is that one line it's like do you understand why your mother did what she did and you have to decide for yourself it's like the game is very much about identity and how much you can know a person through this one-way interaction or through any interaction really or the stories they tell yeah Mm. it's like like about stories it's about stories it's about as another person you can never be sure of what someone who isn't you is Mm. and the idea of like self is a constructed thing Mm. Uh, and i liked all that stuff as as as, like because him talking about serial specifically that makes a lot of sense because that's a show that doesn't always deal with its conflict that it can't like know whereas her story is centering the dissonance well
2: he specifically in that interview he mentions the Jodi arias case and the amanda knox case in which like whether or not i mean both of those women were guilty or charged as guilty and a lot of that hinged on i feel like like the media coverage of the whole thing where it was like well look at the faces they're making and look at the way they acted and uh so i feel like this game kind of Like, the fact that she's, like, it was really unnerving that she, like, nonchalantly plays the guitar in the middle of the interview. And it's like, wait a minute, aren't you, like, a murder suspect? What are you doing? Like, palling around with the detectives. And then, like, the fact that she talks about, like, her own childhood a whole bunch when, like, like, if you got that stuff before, most of the details of her describing, like, her alibi and what happened that night and her like she doesn't seem necessarily concerned about anything and it's a little unnerving then to see her like next smiling or enjoying this memory and so it kind of uh trades on how you feel about her like whether or not you put moral judgments on her behavior
0: Hmm. specifically okay so i have one more question okay and it's a thing the game actually isn't about, but it was kind of the one thing that like I thought was interesting and like never touched upon. Do you think that one of them, if you accept there are two of them, are guilty for the death of their parents? And if so, who?
2: Oh, good question. Because I, I was pretty sure that the parents were murdered.
0: Yeah, so was I.
2: Just by the way it was all talked about.
0: Mm-hmm. But
2: I don't know. I don't have an answer for your question. Because mm-hmm. I I had a really hard. Like time I think punch.
0: I think I think you could justify both readings of that answer, or all three readings, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh, they accidentally took these mushrooms, whatever, or Hannah in her like postpartum depression state like, just had this break that she became someone capable of murder and poisoned her parents or whatever. Maybe she, like, wanted the house or something. And they, like, once she lost the baby, they're like, you need to go and get on with your life. Or Eve was really resentful of living in the attic and decided to, like, finally take charge of something in her life and did that. I don't know. Uh, I, like, I I don't have an answer, but I thought the, the, like, that is even more than like the one or two person thing is the lingering question I had out of the narrative of her story. I Uh, thought it was really interesting. If there's
1: two of them, I think if, if we accept that their parents are murdered and if we have to like say which one we think did it, I think
0: Eve did it. Okay. That's interesting.
1: I think the, if there are, there are two murders and there's two sisters that like Eve killed the parents and Hannah killed her boyfriend.
0: Husband. Husband what
1: else
2: yes. <laughs> you don't, you don't I feel like it's a pretty marriages.
0: significant answer considering he was the, the kind of boyfriend of one of them and the husband of the other
1: oh ah. yeah 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 that was the stuff that i was strange on Is the the eventual motivation for the murder was just he this weird jealousy thing Mm-hmm. that
2: part was the flimsiest in my opinion yeah it was
1: super flimsy because wouldn't you know but uh, but i also
2: feel like if she was one person there was this thing she kept bringing up about like she always kind of she seemed to resent him for being a nice person and for being really likable like she mm-hmm. was like he was always so nice like that kept coming up over and over this
0: is and this is specifically like the hannah hannah says this
2: okay yeah like there's a weird resentment of certain behaviors that Simon had, mm-hmm. and I don't think it was about jealousy. I think it was more about just there was something about him that she just resented, mm-hmm. and they kind of scratch on it a little bit.
0: Well, yeah, but if you if you read the two person like as they are two people like Hannah can't have a child and she wants a child and she's in this kind of marriage that feels kind of like a bummer and this guy kind of sucks but it's like the thing she has like a huge sunk cost in and suddenly like he's in love with her twin and she's pregnant with the child that they like she was supposed to have and that like resentment just kind of boils over in every aspect Mm -hmm.
2: that's a good point what about the end question? Because that I actually felt weird saying yes about because I was of the mind that you know this is one person and acting out of really weird, almost like selfish urges. And I, uh, uh, you know, that you were. It's revealed that you're the character's daughter. You're you're
0: Hannah or Eve's. You are Eve's daughter, regardless of how you want to read whether they are two people. Thank
2: or not. you. Sorry, I. Uh, it's not that I. Uh, was putting my own conjecture i just genuinely had a hard time figuring out who's who because yeah. just the way i went about doing the clips and the way i ended up watching all of them mm-hmm. uh later so it kind of confused my memory but anyway yes you're eve's kid and you're supposed to understand why she did what she did and i'm like mm, still kind of iffy <laughs>
0: um i mean she explains her reasons as much like in theory probably as much as they were ever explained to anyone And it's not like, do you agree with what she did? They ask, do you understand
1: what
2: she did? That's true. Good point. And I guess
1: that's the thing I kind of wanted. That's what the game's about. It's like, you have to walk away at that point. There's no more information. You just have to accept that your interpretation is your interpretation and walk away with it Mm
2: -hmm. because you
1: can't actually know a person.
2: And I appreciate that. I just uh, felt weird that it was like a yes or no thing. Because I'm like, I don't really
1: know. Like... I, you'll never know. Mm-hmm. Did it feel like the game was like testing you to say have you worked it out yet?
2: A little bit. Uh, but I know that that's not the point of the game, but that's just how I felt just because of the, the way the question was worded.
0: <laughs> I had the weird experience of that that dialogue <laughs> didn't act like I saw every video and that dialogue didn't unlock.
1: Oh. So I then
0: I had to load the game back up and I watched one video, I don't even know what it was, and it just that like that dialogue popped up for me
1: it was it was amazing because you because you spent your entire time playing that game, assuming there were no credits,
0: yeah, or like I just where, I where saw the, the videos, ending? I saw the videos, and then I closed out the game i 'm like okay i 'm done
1: and I was like deliberately avoiding telling you the fact that there was an ending mm-hmm. um, because I wanted you to find it, and then I had to tell you because you didn 't have any idea that like <laughs>
0: I would have been told, like, I don't think it adds a whole lot to the like have that thing in there. I would have been fine if the way I had my experience.
1: Uh, I don't think adds. I've come around that at first. I rolled my eyes big time. Uh, After I already. Like you're her kid. Yeah.
0: From the no, flashes. Kind of from weird. the flashes of the like a person. I'm like, okay, so I'm clearly supposed to be a specific person doing this because it keeps doing the flicker where it shows who you are, like I just thought in silhouette. You were a cop. And. So I was like, okay, this like from the flashes, because I spent four hours of this, I'm like, okay, this kind of looks like Hannah, E and Eve, but it's probably not one of them, that doesn't make any sense, so I assume it is this baby that they're talking about, because the game explicitly is wrapped around, you are pulling these archives out years after the fact, like, the game is not set in 93, you are accessing files from 93. I know, originally,
1: there was a build of this, someone talked about it in a preview, where that reflection was
0: Hannah or Eve or someone. Oh, okay. Because uh, it looks kind of like them, but that answer doesn't make any sense, so I assumed so, it was the kid.
2: No, I no, did no, off no. the glare, so I didn't see the reflections.
0: Oh, okay. I had the glare on because that's like, so much of the atmosphere to me.
2: See, I agree, but it was, it was annoying. I had a headache
1: that day, so that, that did affect my experience. I agree it's so much of the atmosphere, that's why I turned it off after a while, because I was like, this is too uncomfortable, I'm going to get weird reflections, I just want to watch the videos. Ah, I don't like horror. It would have been really (laughs) extra creepy, I wish I
2: hadn't, I regret turning it off, I turned it off
1: right away. Like,
0: there's a light flicker, and then sometimes there's like sirens reflecting in the screen, and that's really it.
1: Yeah, but... it builds to this tension that you feel like there could be something terrifying happening at any moment. Nah, I knew so that. Incredible. I knew it was not that game. I know, but it I still, still feel so that great. way about like walking through the house and gone home.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah, well, we won't get into that because we're already running long. Oh, but man, I had, during- I had a moment in Gone Home where I literally like gave Destiny the keyboard and mouse and said, Walk down this thing!
2: Because there might be a ghost, yeah.
0: And I had to look away. I couldn't deal with it.
1: When and I walked down towards the... the- when I went down the final corridor and gone home, I was like... like. Oh, stunned. it wasn't
0: that. It was in the basement. There's this closet. Oh, with, God. With the heater. And my my, uh, my brightness was kind of down lower than I normally keep it now. Uh, <laughs> it was an old monitor. And when I opened the door, it was literally just black in there. Like, if they had designed it in which, when you open that door, there was actually just void. Like, it would have looked the same. And, like, I couldn't handle it.
1: Oh, there's nothing scarier than hallways and corridors. Yeah. Nothing
0: Uh, superior. Yeah, so that was my anyway. But yeah, the the
1: the ending. I originally rolled my eyes because it felt like a like a twist, a talking point twist ending that didn't quite need. But as I moved away from it. oh yeah
0: see I had already thought that. I had already assumed that's who you were playing as so (laughs) it wasn't like a big deal to me
1: yeah see I had no idea I thought you were a police officer
2: I thought maybe they had reopened the case like I thought it was way more plot heavy than it actually was so that reveal coming way after uh, I hit it. To me, like,
0: even, like, the tone of the actual, like, di- like, non-diegetic music implied that you were someone, like, who needed, like, an emotional connection to this stuff, so you had to be someone attached to the case, and the only person that made sense was that child.
2: No, it makes sense. I just didn't think of it that way. Um,
0: so, all this out of the way, let's talk about the response which we touched on with those reviews, because I want to say my little piece about okay. how everyone is wrong. Go ahead, Matthew. So, I think that there is, like, this weird tendency in, like, the, like, art games critical space to, like, kind of, when, like, value really close reads, but also take games at face value in what they're presented as, but also this kind of, like, literary uh, elitism things that are genre fiction are automatically bad or lesser because they're genre fiction, that the one-two punch of those things, I think, leads to those articles that just rail against this game for being something that it was never intended to be. Um, because it's not an investigative game. It's not a true crime game. It's a psychological horror thing that like tries to do interesting stuff with the tropes uh, in that like, all the horror takes place before the events of the game. Um, and deals with the fallout of someone who was like in one of those situations, but you can't advertise the game like that. I think that would make like a really lesser experience. Mm-hmm. If you were, if you advertised, "Hey, I made this cool indie FMV horror game," and it was just the same game, like people would be even angrier because it wouldn't be the thing that they wanted. Because when you sell a horror game, it that means something different. Yeah, and the idea that like. The game has to be the thing that it's portrayed as in the materials. I think is a like a really common thread that exists in all levels of like people who play video games, and I think it's really gross. Like we're gonna talk about Metal Gear Solid Two, like when we're done with this shortly. But that is a game that is clearly built on knowing and acknowledging. Hey, guess what? What you experience out of a game is valuable in and of itself. It's not about meeting the expectations we like advertise this game as because advertisement is not textual content. Yeah. And people treat it as such, like, oh, because this game was sold X or Y way, it has to be X or Y. That doesn't mean anything. Like, advertisement's just advertisement.
2: Yeah. Trying they to get you to, you to try something. Thing.
0: Yeah. But or, you're like, in, it's separate. at least be enticed into experiencing it, you know?
1: I don't think it's just advertisement. I think it also comes with the fact that her story has been built up by, like, uh, mainstream games communities as another big indie revolutionary innovative thing so the people who are part of the like b- b- more permanent art games community rail against this idea that like
0: yeah you were talking
1: i think i was saying uh sorry the mic broke but i think i was saying that uh her story is a game that like large mainstream game sites have latched onto as another example of innovation in indie spaces and have held up as something new and exciting and never seen before so people in a um you like,
0: can't punish the
1: games for that though no i know but i'm but people in the like more interesting like art game spaces are gonna see this game that is being held up as all these things that it clearly isn't mm. and uh reacting against that like makes it i don't think i don't agree with it but it makes sense like there's this game that is being held up as all these things that it isn't so i need to write a thing to explain to everyone why they are looking at it in the wrong way like i've seen interesting critiques of her story in this sense of people being surprised at how like it's just another one of those big capital i indie games uh that is latched onto when the interesting work of marginalized people is passed over daily but I don't think that makes her story bad. No, I, I don't think that makes her story a bad game. But I like understand where that critique comes from, or that like feeling.
0: Yeah, comes but from. but like as as people who theoretically should care about video games as piece works of art, like reading the critical temperature as like a critique of the work is like abhorrent. Like those people should be fucking ashamed of themselves. I
1: wouldn't go that far. I think most people have been self aware about this. I don't know.
0: The shut up her story, this game is tropey garbage thing that we talked about. Whoever wrote that, goddamn them. Like, that's the fucking worst thing you could write. Like, that's not a real response to the video game that's actually being presented. That's a response to, like, people's responses and, like, the advertisements of that game.
2: Mm -hmm. I think that, like, overall, like, no one really gave it credit for the fact that, like, you don't have to watch everything to... Get something out of the game, like I actually kind of I wish one of us had just instead of watching all of those clips, some, one of us had just watched whatever just through investigating or typing in words
1: and going with I, mean, certain, I, I certain didn't reasons. I didn't go back and watch the rest of them after I was done,
0: oh really, okay, oh, okay, was, I've seen every video, yeah,
1: so I've seen every video too, so
2: it's like whatever you get out of it, like it should just be you shouldn't watch all of them, and I think that's really innovative. But uh, um,
0: I and also like as a horror game that is explicitly about things that exist in horror fiction and other mediums, but isn't about we're going to do jump scares. No one's going to have a reaction cam playthrough of her story. I think that's remarkable. Like mm-hmm. Patrick Klepek's not going to spook in with scoops her story, even though it is legitimately a horror game that came out in 2015. And that's awesome. Like, I love that they made a horror thing that doesn't rely on actually, like, frightening you, but engages with the stuff that is in horror material and other mediums. Like, that's that's not a thing games do, really. If, like, mm-hmm. even Shattered Memories has a bunch of cool, like, psychological stuff, but it's wrapped around, oh, now's the part where you run away from the Silent Hill monsters.
1: It feels like something far more honest in terms of what horror is, because games horror focuses always specifically on the act of being scared as you play, and it is very interested in, in that interactivity element, whereas this is just a what a horror story is transferred into games. It's a different thing, I feel like.
0: Yeah, and as someone who, like, when I watch horror movies, I don't always get scared by the, like, scary bits. Like, this had a lot of the stuff that I find interesting in horror. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a really muddy psychological mess, but guess what? So is most horror material, and it leaves you with questions that you can, like, discuss and think about, and that's cool and interesting. Like, that's what you want. Yeah. I don't know. That That's my, end. like, end of rant, I guess. Fair enough. Destiny, you've been kind of quiet.
2: Well, I mean, I...
0: As the horror maven among us, how do you feel about her story?
2: I don't think it's... Hmm... It's 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 less of about horror and more of like aftermath
0: of horror than sure, straight up like, horror. To me, this is like a like '70s post giallo like psychological European horror movie.
2: I guess so. I guess like so. I think of
0: stuff of like The Omen with like if you took out the kills or I guess there are kills or Sisters specifically, which is very European inspired, even if it is isn't yeah. European.
2: Like if it had actual like imagery of like you know, horrible things happening instead of talking about them. I think it mm. I would put it more in that camp, but it's a bit too removed from that. But that doesn't take anything away from it, from me, because mm. I, I really enjoyed it as an overall experience. And it is kind of eerie because you don't know what happened to her, and you don't know, like, th- th- there's an eerie detachment because it's like you don't really have, You know what happened then. You don't know what's happened now. Is she dead? Is she alive? Is she, you know, in prison? Like, what's going on? And that is really unnerving.
0: Mm Mm-hmm.
2: So, yeah, that's kind of where I stand on that. Okay.
0: Any last words on her story before we finally get to the goddamn last segment of this podcast? People should play it. People should play it.
1: But before they listen to this, so...
0: Well, (laughs) too late for (laughs) that. Yeah,
1: don't, don't,
2: uh... Try try to I'll go do in this. knowing as little as possible because it's a good it's, time. Like
0: I said, it's too late for that. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess that's it. If you haven't played her story, I'm sorry. I mean, I guess you still probably could. There's, I mean, I, you'll probably enjoy it. It's fun to search for things, um, but you, you've already spoiled all the twists for yourself. So I'm not gonna tell you.
1: Segment four, as always, is the question segment where the questions are answered, and yep. there are a couple questions uh, Ryan Pasord asked us questions about her story, and i 'm fairly sure we addressed them all in the thing, but because they were on the line of what we wanted to talk about, but we still yeah. should give them a shout out shout out to yeah. ryan you 're cool
0: yep, and then uh, Michael asked us, uh, well he just basically Pinged us to say, "Hey, you should talk about the Earthbound strategy guide." And guess what? I did. Taken care of. <laughs> Done. Taking care of business. So we have an actual question sent to our email. If you want to send us an email, you can send it to podcasts at abnormalmapping.com. podcast at abnormalmapping dot Podcast at abnormalmapping dot com. Uh, and that, that's great. Uh, by the time this is up, maybe that email will be listed on the website somewhere. <laughs> I'm gonna hopefully be redoing the
1: back stuff of the website soon.
0: Okay. this is a show. This is from Cho. It's kind of lengthy, so I'm just going to read it out. When I was very young, my parents bought... I haven't actually read this whole thing yet. When I was very (laughs) young, my parents bought my brother and I a GameCube to shut us the fuck up during the summer months while school was out. (laughs) I asked my parents for a new game I had previously only played in Target kiosk for my ninth birthday. The Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker. I do not think I played Wind Waker the way Miyamoto would have wanted. Instead of embarking on a quest to save my sister or Princess Zelda or who the fuck ever, I (laughs) played that game like it was the fucking Sims. I steadfastly ignored any actual objective to create Mount Aaron narrative about a boy named after myself who was visiting a tropical island for summer vacation and had to create his own games to play out of boredom. So the starting island where you meant to spend the first half hour or so of the game took me about five hours to get through because I ran around that place swimming, rolling into pottery, and throwing pigs like a total asshole. (laughs) I even went up to NPCs and voiced their storylines for them out loud. When my younger brother stole the controller from me to further the actual game along, I was infuriated until I got to Windfall Island and got to start on the sequel to Summer Adventure featuring Link for like the next 30 hours of playtime. In conclusion, it took me four actual human years to play through The Wind Waker, and it was 100% (laughs) worth it that's amazing that's amazing so has anyone else played video games this way i don't think so
2: when i play grand theft auto vice city i don't i ignore everything and i just kind of pretend i'm just this really really rich guy who just like like oh it's the morning i'm gonna go to the dance club and oh i'm gonna go (laughs) hang out like i just kind of hang out places Mm-hmm. And then I go, go for a helicopter ride or swim in the pool. Like, just really dumb day-in-the-life things. That's the closest thing I can think of. And I was about
0: in my mid-teens
1: when I would do this. I this... did this with Midtown Madness 2.
0: Great. When... Yeah, that's the most Jackson fucking answer to this question <laughs> I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> when we would just take the most difficult-to-control bus imaginable... And have them follow the road rules. And stick to all the traffic signs and traffic lights and everything. Uh, okay. And then we'd always try to drive it, jump it over the bridge that could never be jumped over. And end up in the bottom of the river. I <laughs> tell every single playthrough of Myth Now Mad is two-ended.
0: Um, what's interesting to me is I think the way that she explains playing this game is actually how I feel like when I play Yakuza accurate. Even though Yakuza is not that game, it evokes that game really well.
3: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh, Of just, hey, you're just running around doing shit, and you feel like there's an actual game you should be paying attention to, but I think actually they mean for you to kind of roam around and be ridiculous.
1: Uh, Yeah, they definitely do.
0: Yep. Uh, So that stuff's great. Unfortunately, uh, when I was young playing games where I would have had this interpretation of how games were played, games were much simpler so they didn't really work out mm-hmm. I was in I was a junior in high school when Windmaker came out so
1: I'm trying to think of ones that like games that I played young that I didn't really get past the first level of because there's a lot of them like I've, I I remember trying to play Halo for like six months and not realizing how first person controls work uh, good job yeah I'm, I'm very skilled at lots of things mm-hmm. um I would. I have never got past the, like, first half an hour of Star Wars Jedi Outcast. Jedi Knight 2, I think it is. Uh, and <laughs> both me and my dad would just take turns to kill your friend, Jan, because the animation that Kyle Catan would then do of his, like, oh no, my partner is dead, immediately after murdering them was hilarious he yeah. <laughs> just shoots them with a the massive turret and then falls to his knees like no how could this happen to me <laughs> I have uh, a silly. intimate knowledge of the space of the first 20 minutes of Jedi Outcast though holy shit okay. the way when you're young and you don't understand how games work the way you come to understand the starting areas of video games is I love it I love it
2: you ever guess just that's... make up your own story over, like, the actual story of the game as a kid without actually playing it that way? Like, uh, there was this Mickey Mouse game we used to play where, like, if you played two-player, it was Goofy and Donald, I think. It wasn't Kingdom Hearts. It was just something that I played on Sega Genesis. And maybe it was Mickey and Goofy. I don't remember. But my sister and I would pretend that we were running away from the cops. Just... That's the plot of the game. They're running away from the cops and it was really funny to us. That's all. That's all I have to say about that.
1: Okay. No, I did I, I did have... lots of like turning car games into just car crash car chase games in my head without actually having chase
0: mechanics in them. I didn't have any of this, so I don't I don't have anything here unfortunately. So, that's it. Um We still need to talk about Metal Gear, so let's end this fucking podcast. Destiny, where can people find you?
2: at fridge now on twitter
1: and dot jackson head off on twitter and headfallsoff off.com to find all the other things i do
0: okay and you have a two podcasts called
1: trash ratio and goof zone they're both good listen okay. to them yes they are
0: uh, yeah, yeah. you can uh, find us at abnormalmapping.com. Please rate and review us on iTunes. Oh God, please do this, please do this. Tell your friends about our podcast. If you tell two people about abnormal mapping and they tell two people about abnormal mapping, eventually we'll have a dozen listeners, and'll <laughs> good about it. Um, <laughs> uh, check out our YouTube channel. Uh, Fallout's happening. Lego Star Wars is happening. They're really good Zelda's happening. All three of them are entertaining. Uh, I enjoy Jackson's videos a lot. He seems to enjoy my Fallout ones so far. The
1: Fallout ones are great. I'm so sad that we had to turn off the weather effects,
0: though. That's all right. We'll... uh, For a different time. Um, Next month, we are playing Paper Mario for the Nintendo 64. You can play that on a 64, an emulator, a Wii, and a Wii U. Whichever suits your fancy. But we're playing it. (laughs) The answer is Wii U. And I mean, Destiny's gonna play it on Wii. I'm playing it on Wii U currently.
1: Can play that in my bed.
0: Yep, that's that's the actual trick. Um, and we're done. So, see you next month. There might be something in between now and Paper Mario. Uh, look forward to that. Maybe uh, there will be something special with Paper Mario, and look forward to that definitely. Uh, and that's it. We're done. Goodbye. Bye. Stay tuned for Metal Gear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's actually more like, you know, like ska, kind of skateboardy. I need to listen to this video right now. I need Maybe to a little to something, this- something like... Mm-hmm. So, yesterday, me and Dust I mean, three weeks from when people hear this, we finished Metal Gear Solid 2. The ending of that game is so good, Jackson, it's shit, maybe best the game. best ending of all video games ever.
1: I, okay, good. I agree. I agree. It's amazing. <laughs> it's beautiful. It's the best.
0: It's amazing. It. When do you consider the ending to start? When? Okay. So, the actual, like, when I consider the ending to start is when you, when, uh... Raiden wakes up in, like, anime hell space of, like, the Tron roof of Arsenal Gear.
1: I consider the ending to start when he's being tortured.
0: Nah. You still gotta run through a hallway and shoot dudes.
1: But <laughs> Sure, but the ending begins the first time the colonel the, the goes, turn off your game.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: And then you're in it. Then you're in it till the end. I want to know what Destiny's immediate reaction was to the end of Metal Gear Solid 2. I just... Was laughing hysterically because you get this reveal that, like,
0: I don't even the, like it, it, the specific the specific thing you totally flipped out at is when the other AIs, like the the whatever who is inhabiting Colonel and Rose. I think they're named later, but the ones that aren't GW, uh, I think they're also named after presidents. But um, uh, they go we actually arose from the psychic crust of the White House itself. Yep, that's yes! The prim- it's the
1: primordial crust. <laughs> what? Yes. What does that even mean? <laughs> Look, America gained sentience and is no. talking to you right now. America gained sentience. And it yeah. urges to,
2: like, censor history in the name of context because things are too trite with so, media. It's, it's, am- I, it's amazing.
0: I think... It- I think it says something about me, and that I kind of agree with the Patriot AIs.
1: Ew. Yeah, but you, or, you also kind of completely agree with the other villains.
0: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> like,
1: so I'm talking about this in 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 the the my ending video because like they really give the Patriots the time of day when those AIs talk to you because Ryden is such a fucking emblem of everything that is terrible about the people they're trying to protect from themselves. Yep. <laughs> Because he can't even talk to his girlfriend about something without turning it into a massive thing. So they're like, "Well, if you're the kind of human beings that exist everywhere, then of course we have to do the shit for you. Otherwise, everything's going to become nonsense." I actually think that Metal Gear has, Metal Gear Two has um, intense faith in humanity at its end. It does. Uh, it does. But it starts out from a place that is.
0: Ooh, Super cynical
3: ooh, ooh, bad- yeah.
1: I mean yeah.
0: like it also It starts out with hey guess what all you Fucking video gamers you're the problem
2: Yeah that's the funniest part It's like oh well you're
0: You want to be Solid Snake well guess what here's a guy who also wants to be Solid Snake And guess what that means he's just a fucking Tool of the system <laughs> he is
2: incompetent
0: He's incompetent and actually harmful And working for the bad guys and is Part of humanity's adolescent Self destruction urges <laughs>
1: I don't know how much Raiden was intended to suck.
0: I think it's 100% yeah, it he intended to suck. He's, he's there are, th- there are
1: things I've heard around the creation of Raiden that make it sound like they... That... He was intended to be these criticisms, but also was intended to be a cool character that people liked. and That's the part I can't...
0: I mean, I actually think Raiden is kind of cool in that like, he comes around and by, by the end by the he's end got he's a dumb great. samurai sword. Yeah. And... I love it, when, like, when he actually engages with his past, he's like, no, I remember. I was this child soldier, and I couldn't deal with it, and now, like, who is Rose? What's going on? But we're going to figure this out.
1: Mm-hmm. And the pro- oh, God. America gained sentience, and, like, you, the villain of Metal Gear Solid 2 is, like, the ideas of American hypocrisy. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous.
0: I also think, like... My actual sympathies lie with Solidus and ultimately with Big Boss. In once you recognize that this is what the world is, like how can you not want to like craft your own vision of like a utopia where people can be free, even if because of who they are, Solidus and Big Boss's visions were inherently militaristic and kind of like gross and like full of problems. I
1: think I think that's what um uh, Metal Gear Solid Two is about because it's like by detaching yourself from Snake so much of the conversations around snake as a character position him as pretty much the like he wants the same thing as solidus he is going about like they specifically call him and he says yeah that's fine when they say hey snake you're j- essentially committing terrorism to further your own ends of freeing the world from this harmful system which is just what solidus is doing just on a larger scale yep uh, and a lot of that game is about Cons- like reconsidering what you thought good and bad were in the context of a world that is encased in systematic violence that is often invisible
0: yep
1: yeah and it came out in two thousand and fucking one and video games mainstream video games haven't said anything as forward thinking as since
2: that's the yep. crazy part like this weird uh prescient oh every we're putting out so much junk on the internet and it's and like the culture. every, every-
0: yeah, like, everyone creates their own truths, and then they live in these echo chambers in which, like, mm-hmm. what actually is real doesn't matter, because everyone just believes their own Every, set of things. No
2: one is invalidated, but no one is right. Yeah. It's, and
1: that blew my mind, because I was like, what? So I, amazing- what? <laughs> but also, it couldn't it be like... So it came out in November 2001, and Destiny, you need to know about the things in the ending that were cut because of 9-11. Please I mentioned me, a little bit of it, tell so... Me. Okay, so as they crash into New York, they knock off the head of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> uh, the like entire crashing into New York sequence, because as they like destroy American landmarks, was cut because not don't go there. Uh, when Solidus dies, uh, Raiden kills him. He falls on the like American monument, and Ryden's final act is to cut the American flag which then falls from the... Oh, shit, what's the hall called? The famous hall that the stadium The Federal Hall. Federal Hall. And so the American flag that is hanging outside the Federal Hall just falls to the ground and just drapes themselves over Solidus.
2: Holy moly!
1: <laughs> yeah! <laughs> yeah, because I was surprised at how, like, the game has been this very pointed anti-American thing, and the ending is that, but it is way less explicit about it. And when I realized that they had that and had to cut it, I was like, oh, oh, God. Do you think
2: they post... 911 version had the little code at the end where he's like it's really important to just you know have culture and appreciate um, things yes.
0: yeah because um Cause Metal Gear is about the You know, because that actually, the exact same thing happens at the end of Metal Gear Solid 1, where, like, you, after the credits, there's all clips of Wolves playing and Naomi talking about, live, Snake. It's just about living life. Don't be trapped by your genes. What, be who you want to be. What I see
1: in what the ending of Metal Gear Solid 2 actually is, is it's like a rallying cry to people trapped inside, like, either capitalism or other shitty systems that control aspects of people's lives. It is... The the whole game is a basically saying about how you as a person don't matter and it like twists that on the end and on its head in the final moments and say, Here are the ways you do matter, here are the things you can do. You're a person you're well, I mean, powerless.
0: You can do Even the AIs say like an indiv- the individual is insignificant but has the power to ruin the world. Well, oh, yeah.
1: But the like the ending of Metal Gear Solid the Two positive is part. Mm-hmm. In the ending of Metal Gear Solid Two to me is specifically about how best and the tension to be like to being a good person if you're trapped inside a system like a societal system that is working against you.
3: Yeah, uh,
2: like it's re- weirdly hopeful, it's very nice. Uh hilariously none of the images match with what's being said. Just kind of funny because <laughs> it's like uh you know, uh it's all about you know uh, you don't have to have children to do it and then they show a bunch of pigeons or something and it's <laughs> uh,
1: yeah it's ridiculous and to answer your question the that that would have stayed there but they cut a fine another post credit scene which was a fake news broadcast um, detailing that the head of the Statue of Liberty f- came to rest in Ellis Island. Oh my gosh.
2: <laughs> so funny. What a weird game. I'm
1: so into this stupid franchise now. Uh, and I'm uh, so curious as to what post 9 11 Metal Gear looks like. Because uh, 3 is that, but it's so removed that it's not really that. But 4 has to deal with the ending of 2, and I, I have no idea. I have no 3
0: idea. is much less. I mean, 4 is much less about 9 11 and actually about the Iraq War.
1: What is 3 about? Oh, then? God. Yeah. Um, oh, do you not know what
2: 3 is? No. I'll, Three it, takes
0: place yeah. in the late 60s.
2: Oh, so they uh, conveniently managed to make the third one not about anything that happened
0: with it, the it actually is a It and actually yeah. is 100% about the stuff in Metal Gear Solid 2, just in the most roundabout way. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's actually pretty impressive. It's it's a ridiculous thing like Metal Gear through it's it, it's like playing with it's another kind of like trolling expectation thing and that after Metal Gear Solid 2 has a ridiculous cliffhanger the player is going to want to deal with that but no
0: oh you mean the ridiculous cliffhanger where the like the unseen Peter. forces that are guiding the country have all been dead for a century yep
3: <laughs>
0: I don't know I I
1: you find that cliffhanger it's like that line it's ridiculous and amazing I thought yeah of course why not i love why? it i, I love that so much it's like much. a punchline to a joke it is Th- me having to reconcile uh, knowing what i know about Metal Gear Solid four and what the villains of metal gear are i have no idea how that game is what i think it is so <laughs> i'm because r- I-, I assumed i knew what the bad guy the the overall bad guy of Metal Gear was, but now after Metal Gear Two, the very concept of what an antagonist means in Metal Gear's context is completely exploded. So
0: yeah, no that that remains constant.
1: Oh god, I'm so excited! Ah, oh, and oh, it's the best! It's the best! I know I've dominated this conversation, but I love Metal Gear. It's great. I'm glad I've taken like, I,
0: like I said to me, Metal Gear is about the sadness of individuals striving to like like they die at the hands of the state's whim, and it always is about that.
1: Same, same. And
0: that's
1: yeah. what I love about it. What is it, What is it to you at the moment, Destiny? It's just
2: this weird mess of, like, <laughs> sort of, like, cynically looking at America and war, but also kind of appreciating some of the things that the country wants to be about. Like, these mm-hmm. values, volu- values of freedom and liberty, but, like, then sort of going, well, at what cost? And... And also a weird look at what
1: video games mean to people. Well, it makes it explicit that, like, a terrorist who wants to destroy the New York Stock Exchange is actually the ideological equivalent of what America stood for. And modern America cannot abide such a thing existing. Like, it basically says, hey, you do realize that America was started by someone splitting off from a country and, like, throwing off its leaders, right? And it's, like, aware of that stuff and that history, which is cool. It's so well done. Yeah. I'm so glad that a thing can be that stupid and ridiculous, but be so, uh like, committed to having these nuanced and really weighty themes, ultimately.
2: Uh, yeah, I appreciate <laughs> it. And, and, I, and, and yet it's, like, a fun, cheesy romp.
1: Yeah, and I I don't think it could, like, it couldn't be about what it's about without being also complete nonsense. Like, that's how it gets people in the door. That's how people like Dan Reichert actually enjoy Metal Gear.
0: Yeah. I haven't watched those videos. Maybe he's actually way into their economical, political critique.
1: (laughs) I want to know now. I want to know. I actually want to know. I'll get someone's login because I'm not paying, but I kind of want to know.
0: So that's the end of Metal Gear for now. We'll be back. We'll probably have a big Metal Gear
1: podcast when we're done, and we'll get Snake will
0: return in.
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, way funnier for me.
0: Escape from New York.
1: <laughs> I'm still in a dream. Snake eater.
0: <laughs> that's it. We're done. Stop this goddamn fucking! It, it it is time to get off this train that we're on.